sing a song that says he's worthy of it all. Every angle, every aspect, every detail of our life, he's worthy. Not only is he worthy, he's worth it. Whatever you can give him tonight, he's worth it. If it's your hand, if it's your words, if it's your mind, if it's your heart, he's worth it tonight. So Father, I declare on my best day, on my absolute best day, God, it's all because of you. And I declare on my worst day, on my absolute worst day, it's only because of your grace. So, Lord, you truly are worthy of it all.
the next few moments, I'm going to do something maybe just a little bit different. I know our, our day has been filled with a lot of noise, a lot of ambient noise, a lot of peripheral noise and vision. And what we don't often do is come to church, the house of the Lord, and I say it all the time, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. So tonight I'm going to take just 30 seconds, maybe even less. I'm going to ask you to stand in his presence. No piano, no singing. Just internally asking God to move in your life tonight. Taking your day and wringing it. Wiping away all the junk that you walked through to get through the door tonight. Scripture tells us that he is the door. So, Father, tonight we walk through your door and your way to step into your presence, to find your will and your way. Speak to us, Lord, tonight. Speak to us, God. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Sean, follow me on this one if you would.
so thankful for you, Lord. Is it all right if I sing what's on my heart tonight? It is no secret what God can do.
it's not everybody that's like this. Forgive me if when I get into his presence, my heart goes back to um, the old hymns. They just resonate with me and they stretch me and they, I mean, I love worship from 2020. I love it from 1820. It doesn't bother me.
we sing it together as loud as we can. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. Oh, Lord. I exalt Isn't God good? Amen. You may be seated. You grab my phone out of the backpack, sis. Oh, thank you, Lord. Have you had a good day? It's not too encouraging. Have you had a good day? Well, thank you. I want to say thank you first and foremost to uh, Pastor Josh Pennington, and uh, he's become my friend, and uh, he's become uh, uh, an incredible acquaintance and uh, a trusted advisor, a trusted um, confidant and, and uh, an encourager. He's an encourager. I don't know if you know that. He's an encourager, and uh, I'm so grateful and thankful for the invite to be here. And secondly, I'd like to thank you all of you for being here tonight and uh, the last few nights and for putting up with me and enduring me and, and uh, loving all my family and uh, they're much easier to love than I am and so thank you for all that you have done. But above thanking Pastor Josh and thanking all of you that are here tonight, I'd like to thank the Lord for loving me, for reaching down and for caring for me and being there and walking beside me. Is that Faustina? Do I see Faustina in the back? Oh, my heart is filled with love all of a sudden. Faustina, good to see you. Good to see you. And I am, um, I'm going to talk from my heart as I have the other few times that I've spoken to you. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight. I'm going to tell you where the first day we talked about are you a, a runner? Are you a hider or are you a fighter? And I had determined in my life after years and years of running and years and years of hiding that I wanted to stand up and I didn't want to fake it until I made it any longer. I wanted to face it until I made it. And the only way to face it until you make it is to get up day after day after day and to put your feet on the floor after you wake up in the morning and you have to stand on the promises that his mercies are new every single day. That's the only way to face it because criticism is going to come. Opinions are going to come. Negativity is going to come. Self-doubt is going to come. Insecurity is going to riddle your life. Inadequacy. I mean, it, it, we're, we're made. We're, we are made in this society and created in this culture to feel inadequate. And the only way to not keep up with the Joneses is to move away from the Joneses. 
And you're going to hear about that here in just a little bit of the drastic steps that we've taken as the Boyle family. And we refer to ourselves as the Boyle Five. We love ourselves. We love each other tremendously. We honor each other and we respect each other. We talk kind to each other. Manners are a big deal in our family. But we like to laugh a lot and we like to cut up. We like to have a good time. We also are very, very observant that all of the blessings that we have come from the Lord. All of them. Our, my, our, and, and we will collectively say this, and you say, wow, your, your, your boys are eight, your daughter's 12, how, how do you use this language around here and uh, around them? And, and I say this, um, if you don't use biblical language around them, they will be taught another language. If you don't go ahead and use um, scripture-based um, dialogue with them, they will learn a whole other dialogue that you'll never understand. You see what I'm saying? So we're not afraid to talk about God's blessings in our life. We're not afraid to talk about His redeeming power in our life. Nothing worse than whenever you're a superman in front of your kids and they find out that you have a kryptonite. It's tough. But when they actually truly learn that with God all things are possible, that there is no kryptonite. So we break the stereotype as far as families go and how we communicate with our kids and, and we're very open and very honest with our kids about everything and, because we want them at an early age to, to learn to be exceptional kids for Jesus. I don't need to go back in history and go to the history books to show you at what type of ages some of the greatest humans ever were teenagers, were preteen, were young adults. I'm believing, I'm praying, I'm standing on God's word for my kids, for your kids, for our kids, as believers. So we took some radical steps of faith over the last four weeks of our life. I mean, major radical steps of faith. To describe to you how radical they are, I would like to give you a brief synopsis of my life. I am a pastor's kid, a preacher's kid, on both sides, my mom and my dad. My, my parents, a uh, Pentecostal Church of God for, uh, for a lot of their life, and they were missionaries to Indonesia, uh, the country of Indonesia, which is 98% uh, Muslim. And uh, they went over and they planted, in their tenure there, they planted over 60 churches uh, for, the, for the Jesus Christ over in Indonesia. And they came back and uh, they were voted into uh, World Missions Director right here in Joplin. So my roots go back to Joplin. They were voted in as World Missions Director. We lived off of 17th and Maiden Lane. Uh, and I actually took the kids by the house and then took them by my old elementary school, which is now Lafayette. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Lafayette, it's a, uh, for domestic violence, uh, a housing area, and, and so a uh, shelter. So um, that was my old elementary school. So I, I attended there 40 years ago. And uh, I showed my kids and everything else, and they were like, 40 years ago. And it doesn't even comprehend with them. Then I became, I uh, went to Bible college, went to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, and, and um, 
I majored in Bible because I didn't know what else to major in. <laughs> Bible was a broad spectrum. I mean, you could do whatever you wanted. And so I majored in Bible, and I dropped out after two and a half years, and I signed a record contract based out of Nashville, and uh, a record and uh, publishing and managing contract. And, and uh, Nashville was my, was my avenue of, of music and style, and I was going to be uh, whatever the, the major record label wanted me to be is what I would be. And so uh, um, that was back in the 90s. And so um, I went to a revival down in Florida called the Brownsville Revival. And um, in the middle of all of that, my dad and I went and uh, we pulled onto the parking lot. And before I ever got out of the car, I was a mess. And the Lord began to deal with my life. And I, I was right in the middle of shooting my second music video uh, with these guys from Nashville and, and these uh, videographers and I came back and God had radically shifted my life to say uh, you're not going to do this style of music anymore you're going to do worship from now on and so I met with them and uh, uh, let them know this is the direction I was headed and so I, I went full-fledged into worship ministry and and I was hired on at my dad's church in Oklahoma I was there 11 years and then I came to uh, what used to be Galena Assembly of God and I uh, met a lot of you wonderful people here, and, and I was here for a year and four months. And then my family, we moved to the Dallas, Texas area, and uh, I was on staff at an incredibly large church there and, and became the, one of the executive pastors, and I was what they called the weekend experience pastor. And uh, so I was over uh, all of the volunteers for the church and, uh, and over everything that happened on the weekend and, and uh, in multiple languages, and, and it was an incredible, awesome experience. In the process of all of that, I, uh, I got caught up in uh, serving the church more than serving the Lord. And, uh, and it happens. Uh, it was unfortunate. Um, and I have a lot of regret and a lot of shame that comes along with it. But I also uh, have a lot of joy now standing where I stand because of all that God has done in my life. Um, I ended up um, failing uh, in life, uh, failing in my home, uh, failing in my walk with the Lord and uh, morally. And uh, we lost a lot of things. We lost a lot of relationships. And um, I lost uh, uh, all pride. And uh, I was um, uh, humbled uh, to the very depths of the, of the, of the bottom of the cistern. And um, it was Joseph, I believe, who uh, was thrown into a pit by his brothers, uh, only to be found of value along the way by a group of Midianites that came along and saw value in him and positioned him before the king ultimately. Well, that's where I found myself. I was in the cistern. I was abandoned and uh, left alone um, by my own actions, 100% my fault. Uh, and a church came along, a, a single guy, a, a pastor, this one man came along and saw value in me when I was in the cistern. And he pulled me up and he, uh, he gave me a position in the church. And um, for two years, I worked in the church and uh, just kind of laid low, stealth-like, and uh, didn't say a whole lot, went to my office every day, but he provided for me a, a steady income, provided for our family, and provided grace and mercy and patience for me in which I needed. He pulled me out of the cistern, and he set me and positioned me before the king. So, COVID hit. In the process before, right before COVID though, uh, in trying to figure out what we were going to do, my wife and I, uh, my wife, we decided we would build a wedding venue in Dallas. And so uh, we um, 
in the process of, of losing everything, we, we just got rid of everything and we put all of our eggs in one basket and we went and we bought 20 acres outside of Dallas, Texas, about 45 minutes. And uh, we, we built a wedding venue and um, it is a beautiful wedding venue. And, uh, and my wife, she designed it, she built it, she, uh, her and the contractor and myself, and, and she labored, labored, labored. And uh, the wedding venue took off. Uh, I don't want to say unexpectedly, but a little bit unexpectedly. It, it, it skyrocketed uh, in a very, very quick time. And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, that's the worst time to own a wedding venue. And everything came to a screeching halt. We live in a garage apartment, the five of us. We love it. We're content. We're happy with it. It doesn't bother us at all. We have each other, and that's all that matters to us. We watch over this property and this wedding venue. Unfortunately, though, we took a, a major gut punch with COVID. All the weddings stopped. All the tours stopped. All the um, marketing basically stopped. Everything stopped, just like you guys have experienced in your own life. And it was in that time that God began to speak to us. And I thought that the Lord was wrong at first because I was pretty, pretty sure that I was, I was very aware of his voice and, and I thought he must have had the wrong bear. And, and so he began to speak to us and, and uh, COVID um, really affected us and, and like it has everybody, but it affected us emotionally. It, it, you know, when you have kids, you're pulling them out of school, all these different things. And, and just like you, we had never lived through a pandemic before. I had certainly never executive pastored through a pandemic before there's a lot of emotions a lot of opinions a lot of thoughts and all the while God was really really dealing with Jill and myself and we found ourselves walking along the old county gravel road in our right right in front of our home where hardly anybody traveled and we were praying and we were talking and then we found ourselves for about two months three months he was waking us up in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning every night we call him the sleepless nights and and i'd say lord why are you waking me up and and i begin to pray i begin to think i begin to pray i begin to think and and finally one day jill said i just hate that our building is sitting here unused we're making payments on it <laughs> making massive payments on it but no one's using it and i said me too, Jill. What can we do? How can we help our community? What can we do? And we were walking one night, and she said, I want to feed our community for free. And I said, yes, me too. How do we do that? She's just like, let's just do it. I was like, I'm in. How do we pay for it? We don't have much money right now, and I've got a paycheck coming in. I'm driving, and so where we live and where my job was was an hour and a half one way, and make a trip back, I can make it in about an hour and 10, hour, hour if no way, no traffic. Um, it was a long haul and um, good church, healthy church. But we begin to realize that the same God that called us to a place is the same God that can also release us from a place. And it's rare that we deal with that as pastors or even believers. It's okay to be called somewhere. It's also okay to be released from somewhere. It's all right. It's part of life. If he tells you to go this way, he can certainly tell you to turn and go this way. Because it tells us in the scripture that our steps are what? Ordered of the Lord. And we recognize that the wonderful two years that we were on staff at this, this church in Dallas was provision, 
God's protection. He gave us relationships and friendships, and we learned a great deal. And he gave us a healing time in our life. So here we stand with COVID, wrecking lives, wrecking havoc, wrecking businesses, the trauma it's doing to our kids, we, we don't even know yet. And the Lord tells us one night, he tells me, he says, I want you to resign your job. And I was like, absolutely, Lord. I just need a safety net. If I'm going to jump, I need a safety net. You get it, Lord. And he said, um, I want you to resign your job. And I said, um, Lord, I get it, and I'm all in. So we had a conversation back and forth, and you know how your conversations with the Lord go. The same as mine. <laughs> you never win. And so I, for the third time, I, I dropped the conversation, and I didn't say it again. And finally, driving down the road for the third time, he said, I want you to resign your job. And that's when I said, if you'll give me a safety net, I'll do it. And he said, Bear, the first step is obedience. And if you can't get past obedience, then I'll find somebody else. I'm talking to you, Bear. I'm talking to your family. So I talked with Jill. We prayed. We fasted. We, we dealt with this thing. And just like that, we begin to put together our dreams and thoughts. And within a 72-hour period, the Lord had spoke so clearly to us and given us complete direction. We weren't scared. We're still not scared. We don't know the answers yet, but I can tell you that God not one time in our life has ever not been faithful. Not one time. In moments of our life when we are not faithful, and, and listen, I'm going I'm to throw a massive blanket out here. All of us, all of us to some capacity or another have been unfaithful at some point. Maybe not to one extreme, but we've all been unfaithful in something in our life. But not one time, not one time has God ever been not faithful. It's true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just the same. He answers your prayers the same way he answers my prayers. And I could go down the list and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And I mean pages of miracles that he has set, put, uh, set in motion over the last um, not only few years but few weeks in our life. Us being here tonight is an absolute miracle. And I receive it wholeheartedly. But I said, Jill, how do we do this? How do we feed our community? What do we do? And we begin to study and, he, and then we felt the Lord saying to us, I want you to go back to Scripture, and I want you to really look at how I did church. And that's a tough question and tough statement from the Lord, because here I was the last 13 years of my life, and I had, and I, and I say this um, boastfully, I had perfected church, and that's not anything He ever asked me to do. Does that make sense? Man, I was good at church. I was good at the tone. I was good at everything. I had worked on my craft as being a, a pastor and being there and being accessible and everything else. And somewhere along the way, he said, man, I never even asked you to do that. Congratulations for something I never asked you to do. And he said, what is it that I, what is it that I want you to do? How is it that I did church bear? So we begin to study, we begin to study, we begin to look, we begin to look at scripture and we begin to look at scripture totally different than we had ever looked at it before. If you have your word with you, 
Go to John 13. John 13, verse number 35. John 13, verse number 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Listen, from the platform, I would declare that I had enough love for everybody, but my time did not represent that. My attitude at all times did not represent that. My mind did, but my heart didn't. And sometimes my heart did, but my mind didn't. And I would get caught up, caught up, caught up, and, and, and I would forget by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I had said in meetings with consultants, with church, and they were asking me, what's your demographic? What's your demographic? Who are you going after? And they never said all. Does that make sense? Time after time after time, we're sitting there and they're just like, okay, wh what age group are you going after right here? What's the, what is the region that you're in right here? And I'd be like, the region we're in right here is um, 45 to 55. We have 3.4 uh, average kids per home. We have, this is the annual income, blah, 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 blah. And we just go through the whole thing. And it, was a, and it just seemed like church was just, and, and listen, I'm not saying all that's wrong for everybody. It just wasn't right for me. And I struggled time after time again because no one ever said, all people need to know him. Be all things to all people. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we've been beginning to study scripture and we found out that there are two main ways over and over again routinely that Jesus dealt with the lost. One was healing. They didn't get saved and then get healed. A lot of times he would heal them and then they would get saved. I find that unbelievable. I couldn't tell you at one point in my life when the last time I prayed for true healing in someone's life was, and I certainly haven't prayed for somebody as a pastor who didn't attend my church. And I'm ashamed of it, but that was just the way it was. I'd see the hurting on the street, but I never stopped and prayed for them. I never thought through that healing in Jesus' name was the right door to go through for people. And then the second way that I saw and Jill and I saw was that he would have supper with people. Now listen, it's obvious I enjoy eating as much as the next person. I've been at Troy and Sandra Thiessen's house all week, and I've put on 7.8 pounds in about three days. But I couldn't tell you the last time that my family had supper with someone that didn't attend our church. And at one point in my life, I was gone four nights of the week with volunteers in the church, and we had to put a cap on it. I missed kids' bedtime. I missed everything about it. I just missed, I missed my own kids' bedtime and, and because I was outdoing, 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 trying to, to, to facilitate, trying to reach, trying to gain more people into the church kingdom instead of God's kingdom. So I turned to Matthew, chapter number 9, verse number 10. Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 10. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'd found my life was eating with the righteous. I found my life was making sure that the well stayed well, that the healthy were healthy. I found in my life that it was much easier to go to Olive Garden with my worship team than it was to go to Olive Garden with those that didn't know the Lord. I mean, Lord, what am I going to talk to them about? If I take my worship team, I can at least talk music. But if I take someone that, that speaks a different language, oh, and Lord, I hope they don't cuss, because I don't cuss, God. Don't let them cuss in front of me. You see what I'm saying? Now, I'm being facetious, but you got to understand where I was at. And I'm not projecting this on anybody but myself. I wanted to let you know exactly where Bear Boyle was at in my family. Then I find Luke chapter number 24. Bear with me as I read this. Luke chapter number 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone had rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11. Who were the 11? The disciples. Told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is it that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and you have not known the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was the prophet, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and a certain woman of company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. 
Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Here's where I want you to really listen. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. I wanted to give you the full context of what I was trying to get to. It was when Christ broke the bread with them at the supper table. That is when he recognized, that's when they recognized him. Now the last scripture I'm going to read to you is Revelation 3, 19 through 22. And I'm going to start to wrap up with this. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Some say it's discipline in your, uh, in your version. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And that's the part I wanted you to hear tonight. My wife sat there on a gravel road and said to me while we were holding hands walking, she said, Bear, I want to feed our community. I said, let's do it. Let's figure it out. So I began to think about the table, the table, the table, the table. And I walked in one day and I kept telling Jill, maybe it's called the table. Maybe we start a ministry called the table. Maybe we do a, uh, maybe we start a church called the table. What do we need to do? What do we need to do? And, and um, the Lord just stopped me. And he said, I don't want you to have a church at all. In this season of your life, I'm not calling you to pastor. I said, okay. So what are you calling me to do? He said, I'm calling you to be bare. You've tried a lot of things all of your life. You've worn so many labels. You've, and, and, and bear, you have, you have been driven. You have dreamed. You've messed your dreams up. You've done everything under the sun on your own power. Now I want you to trust me. I want you to simplify life. So my wife said, we have a building. We have tables and we have chairs. And it's sitting empty. Let's feed our community. So I walked in from work towards the end after I'd resigned. And my daughter, who was watching the Kids Baking Championship on TV, I don't know if your kids watch the Kids Baking Championship on the Food Network. That's all we do since COVID has hit, is have baking challenges at the house. And she was watching and she said, Dad, close your eyes. I want to show you something. I walked in. I had my backpack on and I set it down. My eyes are closed. And she said, open them up. And she had baked a beautiful loaf of bread. And I was like, man, that's amazing. I said, I I'm ready to eat it. <laughs> and uh, I looked at the top of this thing and immediately the Lord said, bread and table. Bread and table. So I want you to know that where we're at right now, we resigned, took a giant step of faith, and if you picture bread and table as a giant tree, it has five branches. This is what our family is doing out of 1 Corinthians. It's called the gift of helps. 
There's many gifts. We want to help. We want to help our little rural community. When I say rural, I mean very, very rural. There's a stop sign. There's a four-way stop sign. That is the community. I, and I mean that. It, there's no... Galena is like New York to this community. But we find our hearts attached emotionally to the gift of helps for this little community. So on the trunk of tree of bread and table, we have one branch. On Wednesday nights, we're going to feed our community for free. Those that are in need, those that don't need it. We're just going to love on them, be there for them. We're not a church, but for some, it'll be a church. We, we get it. There's no bait and switch for us. We're just going to feed them, just going to love on them. We have a wonderful-looking facility that we'll pay for. We pay for the building. We pay for the tables. We pay for the chairs. We're going to pay for the food. And we're not just going to have just some food like we do at sometimes at our dinners. We're going to make an extravagant feast every single Wednesday night so that people can just come in. And, and they're going to notice that by the way we break bread, who we represent. They recognize Christ by the way he broke the bread. So we're hoping and we're believing and we're praying that they will recognize who we are by the way we break bread. That's one branch. The second branch is we are going to supply school supplies for our teachers and our kids at the local school district that we're in. We have a very, very small but very good school. We've already started the relationship process. We've already started with influence there in the schools. And so we're going to provide school supplies for our teachers and our kids. We're raising funds. We're raising uh, the money to do that. We'll figure it out. We're trusting the Lord for that. The third thing we're going to do, we're going to be getting groceries for widows and single parents in our community. We've already started that process of gathering and we deliver. Listen, we're not a homeless shelter. We're not feeding the homeless. We don't have homeless around us. We have people that are in need of community and in need of Jesus. We're still in the Bible Belt. They don't have ball games or practices on Wednesday night. That doesn't mean they go to church. They just don't have ball games or practices on Wednesday night. We recognize that. There's nowhere around us for them to, to gather. And there's no reason for them to gather a lot of times. So this is what we're doing. Groceries. Also what we're doing. Because we own a wedding venue, we have made a partnership. Jill has reached out and made partnerships with brides. Um, as brides come in and they spend money and resources on flowers, um, what happens most time is the flowers um, then either go home with the bridal party or they go home or they, or they get thrown away in the dumpster, whatever it is. We've made an arrangement with the brides that we can take the flowers and the next day we rearrange the flowers and we deliver them to widows in the area as a pick-me-up. We just deliver flowers just to let them know that we love them and we care about them, all from bread and table. And then the fifth thing, and this is in the development stage right now, we're trying to get this uh, off the ground and rolling by the fall, is uh, we're going to have a community garden. Fresh produce for families that are in need and those that need it. It's all free for them. We feel called to the gift of helps. That's what we feel called to. We don't feel called to riches. Not that anything's wrong with riches. We don't feel called to a platform. Not that anything's wrong to a platform. We feel called to help people. And it's going to flesh out a lot of different ways. Last week it fleshed out. I was 
dragging the baseball field and chalking the baseball field and getting it ready for Little League games. Now, it doesn't hurt that I love Little League baseball. It doesn't hurt at all. But I also know that it's all volunteer. So I stepped up and said, I'll take care of it. I'll do it. My daughter and I were getting ready to go to uh, Honduras on a missions trip uh, for the Assemblies of God. They have a mission uh, trip over to Honduras. And the language that, um, that they speak in, in Honduras is baseball. So we were going to go over there and we were going to work on baseball fields. Come to find out, the language that they speak in Celeste, Texas is baseball. So we're going to give. We're going to clean the bathrooms at the concession stands. We're going to make sure everybody's supplied for. We begin having people reach out to us. We've, we've made it known in the community we're just here to help. The people that don't go to church, they can't thank us enough. The people that go to church wonder what's up our sleeve. There's nothing up our sleeve. It's filled with humility that I stand before you today knowing that God's grace has changed our life. And I mean that 100%. We want to help people get to Jesus. That's all we want to do. That's all we want to do. I love great sound. I love great lighting. I love great sanctuaries. I love it all. But I also know that God, the God that's inside this building is equally as powerful outside of this building. And if I can be chalking a baseball field, talking to someone about Jesus, it's just as powerful as I'm sitting in my office counseling somebody about Jesus. And they're hit a, they're, they're hit a point in my life. And maybe you're at this point in your life where I'd much rather deal with the needs of people than deal with needy people. Just where I'm at. I love people, period. But we have a lot of needs in life. My wife and I are committed. My kids are committed. They're in. They're all bread and table. You have that logo? They are all bread and table. We're going to eat. We're going to talk. And we're going to learn to follow Jesus. That's it. That's it. Eat, talk, follow. I know it sounds too simple. Sometimes simple's all right. You have blessed me and my family tremendously. I'm going to ask for one more thing. The first time that I sang in church, my, my parents were preachers, so what they said went. <laughs> and so uh, the, the crowd had no option but to endure it. And uh, I wasn't very good, but I've, I had a good heart. I've got a daughter who enjoys singing, and she's got a great heart. If it's all right with you, she's going to sing a song tonight. Come on up here, my man. This is her worship leading debut. You good? And I promised I wouldn't coach her while she did it.
you tell a story If my life would sing a song If I have a testimony
Did you enjoy the ministry of Pastor Bear tonight? So, can, can I say something? I think, we're, is Lewis here? Lewis and Crystal McDonald, she's here. So, a year ago, you're, you're shaking your head because you know what I'm getting ready to say. A year ago, at our Christmas event, we were giving out hundreds of toys to these, to the kids. And so Lewis was standing there, and I said, Lewis, you know what we need to do? We have all of this building. We need to feed the community. We need to have a dinner. So Joyce comes along. Remember Joyce? Joyce comes along in the conversation. Then Crystal comes along in the conversation. We're like, we have all of this building. We need to just start feeding the community. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's show hospitality to the community by feeding them because every time you read in scripture one of the methods of Jesus reaching people was he ate with them the power of eating with someone and so we talked about we even gave each other a high five that was a great idea and so as I'm sitting there listening to the story of Pastor Bear the Holy Spirit reminded me again and I felt like the Holy Spirit said listen if you're not going to be obedient I'll have other people to be obedient and I am a firm believer that the Lord has sent us to Galena not just to have church services but to reach beyond the four walls. Amen. Can I hear an amen? And so how many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I feel inspired? I said, how many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I feel inspired? And so uh, I just feel really empowered tonight um, just knowing that that was just confirmation, just confirmation. Of course, he's he has it all laid out, organized, and so I am so glad that the Lord has empowered them and anointed them and given them a strategy, but I also believe that we can look at that and realize that we can do something here right in Galena. Amen? So thank you, Pastor Bear. Jill, we love you and your kids. Amen. So wonderful, wonderful. Such a great idea. Now listen, we're going to give... Pastor Bear, an honorarium. Uh, you've done really good in giving this week. Thank you so very, very much. I'm telling you, I've just been so amazed by your generosity, not just by this revival, but just in general. It's just been amazing this year. So thank you, thank you so much. So I'm um, actually, what I'm going to do, uh, Pastor, um, let's see. I need some help here. Chris, can you help me? Come and grab this, this uh, offering bucket. And so, uh, Eddie, come and grab this offering bucket here. So what we're going to do tonight, um, if you want, if you feel inspired and you're like, Pastor, I think I want to give to Bread and Table, all right? If you want to give to Bread and Table for that ministry to feed the community, then if, just make the check to Bread and Table, all right? Just make it to Bread and Table and we'll just give it to, to Bear. That won't go to him personally. That goes to the ministry. But if you want to give to him personally... Eddie will hold the bucket, and that we'll include that in the check that we're giving him tonight. Does that make sense? And I'm just giving you options about what you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So just be obedient. If you feel like, hey, I want to give to his honorarium tonight, Eddie, raise your hand. And then Chris, your bread and table. If you want to give to the ministry, make the check out to bread and table. Is that right, Jill? And so they'll just take it, and they'll just put it towards the ministry. Now listen, there's no pressure. You just ask the Holy Spirit. There's options for you to give tonight. And if you have nothing to give, maybe you can say, listen, I need their address. You know, maybe I can give later. They will give you their address, all right? And if you want to be a monthly supporter, hey, 
That, I think that's awesome, all right? Let's, let's get behind them and support them 100%. We want to be your home church, all right? We love you. We support you. Amen. Would you give them a great big God bless you? And so I want the whole family, I want you all of you to come up. Come on, all of you come up. Pastor Brandy, would you come? We want to present to you a basket. And in this basket is all kinds of goodies so you can eat as you take your six-hour trip home. And then if you dig in this basket here, there's all kinds of gift cards to your favorite restaurants. So you get to go out to eat all week next week for the next month, all right? And so all kinds of goodies in here. We just want to bless you and tell you how much we love you and appreciate you for being here at Christ Point Church. I want you to give the biggest shout of appreciation by clapping your hands and letting Pastor Bear and Jill and the kids know how much you thoroughly enjoyed them this week and how much you love them. Come on, let's give it up for them. Let them know. So awesome. We love you guys. We hate that we have to end the revival, but you're always welcome to come back. Amen. We love you. Stretch your hands forth. Amen. And we're going to pray over them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Pastor Bear. We thank you for Jill. We thank you for this wonderful family. We thank you for a picture of grace. How you're a God that restores people. You are the father that goes after the prodigal son. You're the one that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And I thank you that we've had an opportunity, Lord, that you've sent this wonderful family our way. I know you spoke to me and told me to have them. And you did it for a purpose and a reason. So, Lord, we stretch our hands out as a church and we bless them in the name of the Father. And of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let favor be upon them. And whatever they put their hands to, let it prosper. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Bear, before we go, this is your last night. Can we do the blessing one more time? Can we do it one more time? Amen. Maddie, you want to sing with your daddy? All right. And, and as, let's, let's go out tonight with a, with a bang, all right? Let, let's, we're going to sing and rejoice. And let's sing this song as you prepare your offerings. Let's sing this song, amen, the blessing. And let's just raise our hands and worship the Lord before we uh, come.
let's sing it together.
I sense that I can't close, but I just feel like somebody needs, you've come tonight, you're very burdened. The Lord wants to set you free tonight, and that sounds so generic and simple, but I don't know who you are. Just get out of your seat. I feel a wooing of the Spirit. I want to pray with you before we go. just give the Lord thanks for the people that's coming tonight. Come on, let's just come. Is there somebody else? You say, it's me tonight, Pastor. Amen. It's me tonight. Somebody else. It's me tonight. Come on, Pastor Bear, just keep singing. May his favor. Come on, let's prepare the atmosphere tonight. I want you to begin to declare it over your life.
One more time, the Lord bless you. that we have since tonight. It has truly been with us all week. You have met with us. We lift our hearts up in gratitude. We say we love you. In every season of our life, you have really been faithful to us. And we make a decision in the next season of our life you're going to still be faithful. We give you glory, Lord. And we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.